Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Ranked uh, above 80th. Hey, Ed, can you hear us? Hello? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, this is not Hello? good. This is the Press Box. On How are you there? Come on! With Grady and Bischoff. Ed, disconnect! How are you there? Ed, check your phone! You're sending us messages. Yes, we Hello? hear you. Disconnect on ESPN Las Vegas. Did you hear me saying hello when you were yelling at me to disconnect? Yes, I was. That's oh, that's absolutely awesome. Hello? 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 Jared? Tyler? Hello? I am so excited for another clean feed show, Ed. <laughs> I cannot wait. Ed, uh, Ed is still in San Francisco or wherever the Marriott is that you stayed at. <laughs> San Jose. San Jose. Okay. Um, and he is on clean feet, which means we yeah. might get a repeat of that open you just heard, which would be phenomenal, honestly, if it happens again. Well, it's a good radio. We put put this one in for the awards, for the whatever the radio awards might be. We get We're awards this. for this? Uh, well, I mean, I could Google it, but I doubt. I mean, I think we get a T-shirt. You made those nice T-shirts. I am in San Jose. Um, I don't know about you guys, so I'm looking out my window and I'm looking at something called the St. Clair. Jared will know this reference. Tyler will not. I'm waiting for uh, I'm waiting for Norman Bates to walk out of this place. I don't trust anywhere where the name Saint is spelled with an E on the end and Claire with an E. So uh, looks a little spooky, but uh, we'll try to get through the show. I do not get your reference. But no, of course not. <laughs> I do strangely agree with you that Saint with an E on the end is not yes. a place you should trust. No, it is not, and I'm looking at it right now, and doesn't appear anyone uh, alive is in there, so it's either a ghost <laughs> or it's shut down. But, uh, yeah, I do not trust people like uh, that it has an E on the end of Saint. The First Bite. Should the Raiders have played Derek Carr during the preseason? You want to go first? So it's just an interesting comparison to look at what the Raiders did versus honestly what a lot of teams did, including who they played last night, the 49ers, where what Alex Leatherwood was the only projected starter on offense to play the entire preseason. And then defensively, it was basically the same. Jonathan Abram played some and uh, Trayvon Morick played some. But other than that, there weren't really any defensive or offensive starters that played. And you compare it to the 49ers who played Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance in the last preseason game, but you also compare it to the Baltimore Ravens who played their starters in their final preseason game and they lost J.K. Dobbins for the year with a knee injury. And so on one end, it's a good thing the Raiders didn't play very many important players because they didn't lose anybody. They didn't expose a Derek Carr or somebody important to a potential injury that could cost the Raiders their season. But at the same time, I do. Is it fair to question, like, will they be sharp for game one, given that they haven't taken a single snap uh, in a preseason game? Uh, I don't think so. And this is the reason why you and I both know why they play these games is only for money. There's no other reason to play them um, in terms of bringing them into stadiums in front of fans. And it's it's a ripoff for fans. Uh, I thought our friend Nick Canop had a great tweet the other night. He goes, did J.K. Dobbins forget how to run? Is that why he's in the game? And has Derek Carr forgotten how to pass? I get Leatherwood because he's a rookie, and you probably have to see him. Even if it's twos and threes, you kind of have to see him in some kind of setting. Uh, I think eventually this will go to two preseasons and 18 uh, regular season games. I think you and I both talked that they get far more out of these practices, go down to play practice the Rams for a week. 
Tyler, I wouldn't do it. And it's all because of risk reward. And if you tell me there's a 0.09% chance that the risk is Derek Carr would be out for the season, I wouldn't do it. So I hate these games in terms of that. Um, I understand why they do them because they're greedy owners who want money. And this is kind of how you make money, charge people a fortune to watch fourth stringers for the most part. But no, I wouldn't have played Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr, eight-year starter. If he's rusty, there's more wrong with Derek Carr. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, like I said, Alex Leatherwood, I got. I understood that. Um, there was questions about him, where he got drafted. You have to see him against other pros. I would not play anyone of consequence other than that, like a rookie. Um, if you're in this league several years, I wouldn't put anyone near one of those games. And again, Dobbins, I mean, look at the Ravens. They're going to come into, you know, they're going to come into Monday Night Football against the Raiders now without him. And I just that I've always felt that way though. I don't know how you, how strongly you feel about this, but I, I these games are not great in terms of a lot of things, and I just wouldn't play anyone that matters. I think the preseason in general should be used if you are playing new guys or guys in new situations. And so uh-huh. Derek Carr, for example, doesn't fall into that category, right? Like Derek Carr no. is going into his fourth year in John Gruden's offense. Derek Carr has been good in previous years. There's nothing we need to see from Derek Carr. But I am more interested on the defensive side where the Raiders have a brand new defensive coordinator. They have a whole bunch of brand new defensive linemen. They've got new guys in the secondary. And yet, again, we only saw Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Morg. We did not see anybody else that's going to be a projected starter for week one against the Ravens. And so that to me is one place that's interesting is... They're, they redid the entire defense, right? They fire Paul Gunther. They bring in Gus Bradley to fix the defense, but yet they had three chances to sort of go out there and, hey, this is what it'll look like, and they didn't really do that. And I think you can make the same argument on the offensive side for Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. They're not rookies, right? They were in this team. They were on this team in this offensive system last year, but they're now counting on those two to be number one and number two type wide receivers, and they certainly were not that last season and to not play them in the preseason game suggests the Raiders are very comfortable with where they're at and they don't need any more work when what we saw last year suggests they need a lot more work. So that's the part, not so much car. Car's perfectly fine, whatever. But the defense, and specifically on offense, the wide receivers, where it's like, okay, you need a lot more from those units than you got last year. Things are new for those units than last from last year. It probably would have been better to see those players in preseason games. I, I get what you're saying. Let me ask you this, and it, this would be almost really hard to do because you'd have to suit them up and you'd have to warm them up. So let's just take Rugs and Edwards. Do you find any risk-reward in that? Let's say you show up yesterday. I mean, actually, the Niners, he, he, you know, Shannon played his ones yesterday. Um, again, that's his choice. I mean, uh, Raheem Mostert carried 70 straight times on the opening <laughs> drive. I'm like, boy, that guy's <laughs> supposed to be important to you. Um let me ask you this, though. You show up yesterday. Let's say you bring Ruggs and Edwards on the trip or maybe just the first against Seattle, and they're playing their threes and fours or, or two, even twos and threes. Is it still a risk? Like, would you still say, okay, we're going to put Brian Edwards out there against a three? Like, is that going to show us enough to where if we risk, you know, he, he, he makes a wrong cut and his knee goes, are you going to look back and say, was it important for him to play against someone like that? And I understand that's kind of silly only because you'd have to, like, look in the, you'd have to know who they're playing. I, I just think the risk is a lot yeah. if you really expect the guy to be great. I mean, if you expect him – if I mean, look, they're, you're, you're right. They're counting on these two young receivers to be good. If they're not good again, these guys are in trouble. I don't know if they can be a top-10 offense or continue forward offensively. So I get what you're saying. I do. 
I just look at something like Dobbins and they, I guarantee those coaches went into that room and looked at each other and they had to have second doubts, even though they'd never say that publicly. It's almost like we should have the coaches communicate with each other before the game. Hey man, who are you going to play? Yeah. So they can match that up. I I mean, yes, it would have been, it would have been dumb if we had to see Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards go against the Seahawks second teamers, right? Because Seattle didn't play anybody in that first preseason game. Right. And kind of like it was dumb last night that we saw the 49ers just march up and down the field with their first team offense against the Raiders second and third team offense. Like it was, it was stupid. There was nothing really gained from, Ooh, look, Jimmy Garoppolo's completing passes against uh, who knows who's out on the field for the Raiders at that point. Isaiah Johnson. Yeah. Isaiah Johnson. Like it's, it's just Dolan Levitt's playing big snaps and it's like, uh Oh, Trey Lance looks good against (laughs) Dolan Levitt. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you're right, but it's, it's almost like there should be a level of communication where, Hey, uh, you want to play your starters for the first quarter of this game yeah. so we get something useful and then we can just, you know, take it back and not worry about anybody getting hurt and play some guys that are fighting for the 53rd spot that might make a tackle on special teams. Well, and that's a great point because what do they do in those practices? McVay and Gruden got together. So why can't you do that for yesterday's game? I mean, that's a really good point. I know they got together for that. Say, like, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and – you know, you, you know, let's run our ones here. I don't know why you can't do – again, I'm going to go back to it's about money, but that doesn't mean coaches need to oblige the league. Coaches don't need to play along with this stuff. It's like, look, these games are stupid to begin with. You're doing it for the money, but we're not going to sit here and play a bunch of ones because you want the fans who you're overcharging to watch these games to see the real players. So I like your idea of, like, get together before the game and say on these – you know, script it. Say on these drives we'll play our ones. I, You know, John Gruden – I didn't bring any ones. Jared just starting a middle <laughs> linebacker. Uh, you know, he didn't I play. Thought it. I did well. <laughs> you 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 actually played very well. And I well, made you tackled it, well. And I you'll, made you'll it be back the to the studio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just I see all your points. I do. I just I wish, you know, it was different, um, but it's not. I do hope they go to 18 games and two preseasons. Uh, or if you want to stay at 17, that's fine. Still go to two preseasons and do more of these practices with each other. I just think three of these things are just, you know, we saw what happened yesterday with the, well, not just yesterday, we saw what happened in three games with the Raiders. He didn't play many guys that he's going to, you know, start on Monday night against the Ravens in two weeks. So let me ask you this, uh, uh, actual takeaway from the 49ers Raiders games. We saw Garoppolo, we saw Trey Lance, and on the first two drives for the 49ers, they interchanged them on those two drives. And I'm curious if you watch that, especially when they got in the red zone and thought, huh, the Raiders could do that with Marcus Mariota. Well, two things. One, I didn't see John Gruden's face when they're re- running all the read option stuff in a third exhibition game. He's probably like, <laughs> wait a minute, we're vanilla, and this guy's out there running the read option against our four stringers. Um, yeah, I, I think they can do some of that stuff. I think, I'll tell you what, and I know we'll go over the 53. I think John Gruden, I asked him after the game, I think John Gruden really wanted to see Mariota to see if you even keep Mer- uh, Peterman on, on the 53, or do you put him through waivers and hope to sign him back like a practice squad? I mean, I think they really wanted to see Mariota, but to your question in terms of packages, that doesn't that have to be what that means when John Gruden says you're going to see him some? What else would that mean if they don't play, maybe not specifically like Trey Lance did yesterday, but around that kind of realm of there's packages when you get in a certain part of the field that Marcus Mariota, you might see him. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, we're not going to see him as much as Trey Lance, I don't think, because no. I think Shannon's going to play Trey Lance a lot. But I don't know what else that would mean. Well, we did. We also had John Gruden give a quote to Kevin Bollinger of Fox 5 that was, well, we're not going to change our entire offense to bring in Marcus right. Mariota. So right. I, I don't know what his plan is, but I do know this. 
The Raiders have not been good in the red zone the last two seasons. The offense the last two years has been a very good NFL offense, but it has been bad in the red zone. They settle for way too many field goals. And conceivably, they have a quarterback on the roster that could help fix that in Marcus Mariota, who is much more athletic, much more dangerous with his legs than Derek Carr. And even if it's as simple as, hey, we're going to put in a zone read package that has four or five pass plays to catch him off guard every now and then that might be better than what the Raiders normally do in the red zone. And I think had the Raiders been good in the red zone, the last two seasons, then I would say, "Eh, it doesn't matter. You don't need Mariota when you get down there, but since they've been bad, they've been good everywhere else, but since they've been bad in the red zone, that to me is what sticks out is, you know what, if they get into, you know, the first two or three games of the season and they're not having success in the red zone, they should absolutely be turning to some sort of package with Marcus Mariota when they get inside the five, 10 yard line, whatever it is. Okay. Let me ask you, give me a percentage because you mentioned it and I kind of laughed here at the Bates motel. Um, give me, give me a percentage that because how, what we've seen from John Gruden in three years, he'll play Mariota or they'll continue to yell at Daniel Carlson to get on the field, the fourth goal from the one, because, <laughs> because as much as John Gruden says things, it's been three years and a lot of what he says never happens. You know, and, and he's very set in his ways, and he's very set in how he coaches offense specifically and, and what he wants out of them. And I'd love to see Mariota in those packages. I really would because I, no matter what Gruden says and he's tired of people writing about the red zone, well, then, you know what, get better in the red zone. So um, I, I'm i going to believe it when I see it. I'll leave it at that. I'll believe it when I see it that he actually has scripted packages once they get inside the red zone for Mariota. I think more often than not, we'll continue to see field goals because I just think this is how he coaches. Daniel Carlson will break his own record for most field goal yes, attempts yes. inside of 30 yards <laughs> yes. in NFL well, history. <laughs> not to be selfish, he's on my fantasy team, so I hope the guy kicks the entire season. <laughs> Coming up next, is Deshaun Watson going to get traded before the season starts? Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. I turn off the rap music, first of all, because I think it's distracting for Cam here. Because in between every throw, he's dancing. Yeah, he makes a throw and then the music's still cranking. I know you can hear it faintly in the background here. He can't help himself to where... Mac looks like he came to work again. Like, he's here to work. And everything's attention to detail. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. For those of you that listen to the show regularly, uh, one day when Ed was out at Raiders practice, he gave us a very thorough scouting report on how quickly Henry Ruggs and John Brown did a bunch of various tasks. Uh, Also, how many times they dunked their skull caps into some big bucket of ice water. I am a little disappointed, Ed, we didn't get like a dancing breakdown from you about different Raiders players. Well, um, I'll bring the notebook out the next time I'm out there and try to see now <laughs> camps over. So our viewing is limited now to stretching. And if you like warm up exercises, uh, so if someone, if you know, Foster Moreau or someone catches a touchdown in those, uh, in those areas, I'll have to get on top of those things and give you a review of the dancing moves. I liked, I liked his muse, but moves, by the way, Foster Moreau's. Yeah. Okay. So we, 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 had a, we had, you already have a favorite is what you're saying. 
Well, he's the only one I've seen dance, so he might as well be my favorite. I mean, he's... I mean, come on, that's a little biased, Ted. <laughs> exactly. I'm one for one. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do that for you. Uh, we don't get to see as much, so I'm going to have to be on top of things. I usually had about two hours, and I'm going to have about 25 minutes. So I have, I have to be really focused the next time I'm out there. Is that Drake? Is that, is that what you're dancing to? <laughs> yes. We need you to tell us which song and artist that is to, to Ed. It will be Drake. And if it's not Drake, I won't know the song, nor will I know it if it is Drake. So over the weekend, we had a handful of reports, including one from Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, about Deshaun Watson and him possibly being traded. Here is what Charles Robinson reported. Sources tell Yahoo Sports... The Dolphins have emerged as the front runners in trade discussions with the Texans for quarterback Deshaun Watson. The Texans are seeking three first round picks and two second round picks in negotiations, according to a team that dropped out of trade talks. So if you are the Miami Dolphins or any other teams, because the Panthers, Broncos and Eagles were all mentioned as interested in Deshaun Watson, are you giving up? three first round picks and two second round picks to acquire a quarterback who currently has 20 plus sexual assault allegations against him. Absolutely not. I I don't, I cannot believe until this is settled that you'd give up that much three firsts for a guy who could be, you know, on a suspended list and have the, all these civil suits come down on him, And you don't know what's going to happen in terms of civil translating to potential criminal and no I, I don't I would not give up three first rounds I don't know what I'd give up really to tell you the truth um for him at this point uh you know if it's him and he has none of these well he wouldn't be traded if he has none of these but yeah. we talked in the offseason right about um about the the Raiders with different quarterbacks and his name came up before all this stuff you know came to surface mm-hmm. you know Rodgers and Watson and all these guys uh that you know people kind of went back and forth months ago uh but not now I, I don't know what you think. I wouldn't, I don't understand uh, going near him right now. It's, I understand they're different charges and they're different, um, you know, situations. I get that. But Trevor Bauer comes to mind. Like who, who, who would go, who would have any dealings with Trevor Bauer at this point? And I know it's different. I get that in terms of the charges or what had allegedly happened on both sides, but it's not that different in terms of, you know, who would go near these players at this point until you absolutely know how these situations are going to play out. Right. They're both in the same ballpark of you have sexual misconduct charges or allegations against the players. And as of right now, yeah, nobody's interested in playing or having Trevor Bauer play, but for some reason the NFL hasn't put Deshaun Watson on a commissioner's list. So he's still at Texans practice. So it's it's not entirely different in terms of what the player situation is. It is a little different in terms of how the leagues have handled the individual yes. players. On the Dolphins side of this, okay, there's a couple of parts that are interesting. Number one, Charles Robinson also reported the Dolphins apparently want the picks to be conditional picks where, okay, we'll give you three first-round picks and two second-round picks. But if Deshaun Watson never plays for us, we get those picks back, right? Right? Like, so they want like conditions on these picks in case Deshaun Watson doesn't play. But the other interesting part is they have Tua and they had a chance this off season. They could have upgraded from Tua. They had a high pick. They could have drafted one of the quarterbacks in this draft, but they didn't do it. Then they didn't do anything in the off season as far as a trade or a free agent signing for a quarterback. Do they actually not believe in Tua or do they just think Deshaun Watson is so good that it's a, hey, he's available. 
we have to go get him. It's just a very weird situation where the Dolphins have Tua, did nothing the entire offseason to make to find somebody better than Tua if they don't believe in him. And now we're sitting here saying, well, what if we trade for the guy that might never play the sport again? Yeah, I mean, I still wouldn't make the deal, but obviously conditionals make a lot more sense because you don't know what's going to happen. I have to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little surprised if they've given up on him. Um, that surprises me a little. I didn't think he had shown to be that bad. Now, again, it's Deshaun Watson. I get that. So maybe it's one of those things where, like you just said, if they're conditionals and everything works out on his end, obviously you'd want Deshaun Watson over two. But you know what? You'd want Deshaun Watson over what? Uh, Brady, Rodgers, Wilson. I'm trying to think Mahomes, right? And then yeah. he's in that next group, if not like right near four or five in the league. So I get wanting Deshaun Watson, and if they're conditionals, okay. But let me ask you this, like, should they have already given up on Tua? Just take Deshaun Watson's talent out of it. Do you think Tua has been bad enough to where they should already move on from him? No, and, like, he wasn't good enough last year to where you're like, oh, Tua's the future. So there, he was he he was bad enough last year that if you're the Dolphins, you're considering something else, right? It wasn't Justin Herbert where the Chargers are like, uh-oh, we might have a future star here. But, no, I mean, Tua, you, you have to give him another chance, right? Like, last year he was – played in what like half the games got pulled in some of them for Ryan Fitzpatrick right. but I think it's he was the opener and Fitzpatrick <laughs> was you know <laughs> so you're gonna you you should give Tua another chance yeah but it, it's just a weird it's it's a weird situation where okay are they giving up on Tua or is it just because it's Deshaun Watson and they think he's really good like it's just it's a bizarre situation that the Dolphins find themselves in. Whereas if you compare some of these other teams, right? The, uh, the Broncos, Oh, they're giving up mm-hmm. on drew lock and Teddy Bridgewater. Well, of course you would the Panthers. It's like, okay. Right. Okay. Sam Darnold. Yeah. Okay. Who cares? You're going to go get Deshaun Watson. So like the other teams that were potentially interested, it makes a lot more sense than it does with Miami, but Miami appears to be the front runner. So let me just ask you this. Do you think he actually gets traded? <sighs> I mean, I'd like to know if, like, you know, as Charles reported, like, they're all conditioned on what might happen. It's tough to pull the trigger right now on him, though. I just – I can't believe anyone's going to take that chance on him to bring him in and the next week, you know, Roger Goodell's office say, you know what, he's on the spending list. Now you're – now what are you left with? Um, I get how talented he is, and maybe in a real world, three ones and two twos make completely sense if none of this ever happened. But again, he wouldn't, I don't think he'd be moved if none of that happened, obviously, because they have a top five quarterback in the NFL. So I'm going to, I'm going to side on the, the, the point of caution and say, no, I don't think he gets moved. I mean, I just think you have to set up the trade of like, okay, we'll give you the three ones and the two twos, but if he never plays a down for us, you owe us a bunch of seventh round picks. <laughs> Jared, the Raiders are not trading for him at this point. <laughs> you don't lose anything, and you might gain a, a Peterman out of well, it. They, they need that six or seventh back from uh, from Perryman right now, and say, "Well, how do we get that back? Let's move. Let's move for Deshaun Watson, and we might get those six and sevens back." I assume he doesn't get traded. It's too. too. It's too big of a risk if you are the Dolphins, and if you're the Texans, I don't even think you agree to trade him with all those conditions because if he doesn't play, then you don't get anything out of it. So I don't think he ultimately gets traded until everything is cleared up, and that doesn't seem like it's happening for at least until next year is when some hearing is set or something like that. So I don't think he gets traded. Uh, I'd be surprised if the Dolphins do actually make that trade for him, but 
I don't know. It's the NFL, and we'll see things like that occasionally. And yeah. you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. But I would guess right now he doesn't end up getting traded. Coming up next, Jim Trotter joins the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. You saw who was kicking off. It was Justin Reed who kicked off and did a pretty good job. Wow, and then coverage nice. downfield out of bounds at the 16-yard line. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Joining us now from NFL.com is Jim Trotter. Jim, you heard the highlight there of Justin Reed uh, being the emergency kickoff guy for the Texans because Kami Fairbain got hurt um, true or false, NFL teams should have regular defensive players kick off so they have an extra tackler on kickoffs. Um, they should have anyone at any position <laughs> as an emergency kicker, in my opinion. So as someone who, who had kicking duties on his, his roster during his high school days, um, I love the fact that position players can also be allowed to, to do kickoffs. Hey, Jim. Um, was at the Niners yesterday. Uh, I'm sure you know uh, – Kyle played a lot of people, and Gruden almost played himself because he didn't bring anyone on the trip. Um, can you take us through your thoughts? Uh, well, one, is three games too many, or do you like the number? And two, the obvious difference between coaches thinking at this time of the year on who to play and who not to play. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm not so um, put off by – the number three in terms of preseason games from this standpoint, you're seeing more and more teams go to joint workouts and clubs are able to get in a lot of work, um, a lot of individual work and matchups in those situations. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about just three preseason games as it relates to who plays and who doesn't. Um, look, in my opinion, football is an inherently violent sport. So if you're going to get hurt, you could get hurt at any time. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to play your starters four quarters. But I do believe there's value in having the ones work um, a series or two, if not a quarter, um, in these games just to get the timing and the rhythm down because that's different from practice or any other time. So, you know, if John wants to protect his guys by not playing them, that's on him. We'll see how it plays out. I do know this about the Raiders. You know, in the last couple of years, they've started fast and they faded down the end. So, for me, I, I'm not really concerned about what they do up until November. I'm concerned about what they do from November on because whatever they're doing, it has not worked for them the last couple of years. You mentioned the joint practices being a, a good place for teams to actually get workouts against other team starters. At what point does the NFL start deciding to televise those because they realize, hey, we can make money off of this because it's actually the players everybody has heard of. I'm not sure if you're joking or not, but I, I, <laughs> I believe that it will happen at some point. The NFL, the NFL is the king of monetizing the most mundane and, and nondescript things you can find. I mean, the way that people have an appetite for the combine is just I, it's bewildering to me, you know, <laughs> how folks get exciting seeing players bench press or – you know, run a 40 or, or do a drill. It, it's mind-numbing to me, and, and, you know, and it gets put in prime time. So the one thing we know about the NFL is that, you know, we're all like Pavlov's dogs when that whistle blows. No matter what's going on, we come running, and they know that, and I think it's just a matter of time before they start monetizing these practices as well. 
Jim, before you came, right before you came on, we talked to Sean Watson. Um, if the reports out there are anywhere near factual in terms of those picks and Miami being interested and they'd be conditional based on if he'd play, we both said we didn't think he'd be traded at this point. Uh, can you give us your thoughts on Deshaun Watson, a risk-reward if the Dolphins actually did that? And how do you think this ends up in terms of the season and where he ends up? I think what the Texans would have hoped for was that the league would step in and put them on commissioner exempt, and it would have taken a lot of pressure off of them from that standpoint. Look, Ed, truthfully, the way this whole thing has been handled to me has been a complete joke from the start, and it remains a joke. You have one of the best players in the league who they're not even practicing for the most part, um, and you're going to tell me you're going to trot out Tyrod Taylor week one over to Sean Watson. That's just insane if you're trying to actually win games. So um, I get all of the legal ramifications and everything else, and that's why I say the league should have should have um, helped the Texans in this point and stepped in until there was some clarity. But I also think the league is afraid. It, it's moved quickly before on these issues and had it blow up in their face. And so I think it wants more information and more clarity before it takes some sort of action. But this is a bad situation for everyone involved. And, you know, if – um, the Texans have told Deshaun or his representatives that, look, just sit tight, sit quiet, and we'll try and you know honor your wishes and have you move before the season starts. Um, then you know maybe that's why we haven't heard from him, and maybe that's why we haven't heard from the union stepping in to say what's going on here. But you know I don't think the Texans are going to get what they're asking for. If if there were no legal issues, then I'd say they'd have a definite possibility, knowing the value of the quarterback position, the youth of Deshaun Watson and the talent of Deshaun Watson. But when you factor in the uncertainty over all the legal issues, um, I can't see anyone giving up three number ones, two number twos, and possibly a player or two. You brought up the the NFL not putting him on the commissioner's list, and maybe they want more information on this. Are they going to get it? Like, it, it doesn't seem like a situation where we're going to have any clarity whatsoever for maybe this entire season. No, all I know is that at this point, it looks like the league has said to the Texans, you're on your own. Um, and, and that's what it appears. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's what it appears to be at this point. So, um, look, there are teams that are definitely interested in Deshaun without question, um, but no one is going to pay the price that the Texans are asking right now. You know, for Miami, it's an interesting situation when you've got a guy like Tua that you drafted fifth overall a year ago and, and, and you know, you, you have made the public declarations that he's your guy and this, that, and the other. And it is no secret that Miami definitely has interest in, in Deshaun Watson. Um, so that whole situation is interesting to me how it plays out. It appears at this time that, that you know, the Dolphins may buy themselves some time here and move forward to And if he plays well, then Miami, I think, would be out of that equation. Um, but the winner in this may be Tua because, you know, all of this is being slow played right now, which means he has an opportunity to go out and prove himself on a young ascending team. Follow him on Twitter at Jim Trotter NFL, uh, fine sports writer for NFL Media. I, I wanted to go back, and I know you talked about the Raiders and John shortly there, but uh, we've never really understood, Jim, and maybe we should because they're in Vegas, what 10 years ever meant. Like, what 10 years and $100 million ever meant. It was always one of those situations where, like, okay, but what's he guaranteed? Like, what does this really mean on that contract? He'll be in his fourth year. He's 40 and 40 overall. From afar, in the you know, as you cover the league, what's the sense of the Raiders? What's the sense of if he goes five hundred again, you'd have to think about where you know when the hot seat comes in. Like, 
is there a sense about John Gruden of th- that he can just go as long as he wants here or that, you know, hey, yeah. at some point you can't be 40 and 40? No, it's, the sense is he can go as long as he wants. When Mark Davis got up at that introductory press conference and talked about this being the fulfillment of a dream, um, you can see an owner that was completely smitten with um, his hire. And so there is no one that I know of or that I've talked to who thinks that any of that has changed. He loves John Gruden. Um, you know, he was almost emotional at that press conference talking about being able to sign him. And I don't see, I don't see in any way that John's going to be on the hot seat um, anytime soon. The reality is, look, all of this is John's doing. What's going on now is John, he's had complete control. He took a team that, that prior to him arriving, two years prior to him arriving, was what, 12-4 and four and went to the playoffs? And he basically stripped it down to the studs. And I don't mean stud players. And he got rid of um, a lot of talented guys. And the people that they brought in have not lived up to expectations. I, I, you know, it's rare to see a team waste as much money in free agency as the Raiders have in recent years and get nothing or very little in return for it. And in the draft, as we have all said before, and I know Mike Mayock is sensitive to it and whatnot, but they have overdrafted guys. You don't get just a good player with the fourth pick. You're supposed to get an impact guy, you know, a potential HOF guy. They don't have that in Cleveland Farrell. Now there's even talk that he may not even start this year. That's crazy to me. So from a personnel standpoint, I don't think they've done a very good job in terms of, of um, um, you know, accentuating um, what they have had. So, look, in my opinion, um, this should be the year that they make that run. Part of their problem is they play in one of the toughest divisions in football outside of maybe the NFC West, and it's going to be very difficult. So um, they took their Super Bowl run or, or victory lap after beating the Chiefs last year and haven't been the same since. And we'll see what happens this year. Do you think if they say win eight games this year, miss the playoffs, do you think it's Mike Mayock, Derek Carr, that ends up being the scapegoat after this season? Somebody will, but it won't be John. <laughs> I mean, and I'd like to stay real quick on Derek Carr. It's his eighth season. Um, I mean, numbers-wise, he had a career year last year, but they still didn't get it done, and they're a 500 team. You keep hearing, Jim, every year it's like, hey, will it be Brady? Hey, will it be this guy, this guy? I mean, What's your thoughts on Derek Carr? And and is you know in terms of a scapegoat, if they don't make it, is it the obvious decision that hey, you've been really good for us, but we got to try something else? I like Derek Carr. I, it it kind of confounds me a little bit how critical um, Raider Nation is of him at times. You know, I don't think he's their problem. I think they have a lot of other problems. So from my standpoint, if they're making a scapegoat and trying to get him out of there, some other team's going to be really happy on him. Derek is the only wants to play for the Raiders. There's only going to play for the Raiders. And I don't believe that if he would um, be left over from there. But um, I don't think he's their problem. I think he's a talented player. I think you can win with him, as we saw, you know, back prior to Gruden arriving. Um, he was on in the conversation for the MVP that year before he broke his leg. So, um, again, I don't think he's your issue. I think there are many other issues there, particularly starting with Well, he is Jim Trotter from NFL.com. Jim, we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, Jimmy. All right, all right, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. So, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Interesting stuff on Gruden and Carr there, and I think Tyler. Most people who follow that team would kind of be on the basis of both things, where this is Gruden's mess to clean up, and 
It hasn't been the quarterback that's been the main problem. Yeah, but he might be the one to go because John Gruden's not going anywhere. Coming up next. And I've gotten beaten by a 12-year-old. A 12-year-old's beating me up. A guy who doesn't even like children. They need the 19-yard line for a first down. Senate under pressure, spins away from trouble. Pointing downfield and has got to let it fly to the end zone. Did he catch that for a touchdown? Chris Myrick did. <laughs> what a play. What a play. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Oh, Ed, I've been beaten out by a 12-year-old. For, first of all, was that a highlight from someone's garage? <laughs> That's the guy that, doing a radio yeah, show that, from a Marriott. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty saying. sure you've dropped your laptop like six times. But, uh, we no, never, no. We That's ne- me taking a sip of water. Okay. <laughs> we never mentioned it because we're professionals. Also, though, the joke of that highlight is, who throws a Hail Mary in a friggin' preseason game? <laughs> True. The same guys who run read option. Okay, so you hate children. <laughs> I uh, do. I know this well, and you must hate children. If there was a like a 0.1% chance you'd ever have kids, it's now over if this story is true. No, no, this would make me more likely to have a kid because this kid's actually oh, <laughs> He's going to make some money? Yeah, he's useful. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, for those of you that are unaware, I own some fake horses and fake chickens. They are NFTs, but they race each other. It's great. You can make money racing, breeding, and selling them. Uh, but there's a story at CNBC.com about Benjamin Ahmed, who is 12 years old. And he has made $350,000 selling his own NFTs. Now, what he's doing is very different from what I'm doing. Because I am buying other people's NFTs and then racing them against other people. Or selling them, reselling them to other people. Or creating NFTs through breeding. What Benjamin Ahmed, this 12-year-old, is doing he created his own entire setup of NFTs called Weird Whales. And they're literally just pixel images of whales. And he has sold them to the point where he has made $350,000 worth of selling NFTs. He's 12 years old. The picture on the story is just him and his younger brother sitting on a laptop at their kitchen table making $350,000 apparently. So... Hold on, because I asked you this last week, and the answer was no. Is this the only kid in the world with whales? Because we were talking about, uh, you know, what would be next. First, you had horses, and then you have chickens. Is whales next, or is this kid creating his own to try to overtake the people who did the original stuff? Well, okay, so these whales, they don't, like, race or anything. Is there Pokemon NFTs? They're just, they're just images, and it's just an image of a whale. Like, if you buy oh, this whale, you just get a picture of a whale. Boy, I hope no one hears this. That guy's going to replace both of us tomorrow in this show because he's smarter than anyone in the room. (laughs) But see, okay, so this is why when everybody complains about, like, NFTs, they're really stupid. This is why. Because, like, these weird whales that this 12-year-old created, they're literally just pictures of whales. And people buy them as NFTs for some reason. I can't comprehend why. The ones we have are chickens and horses that actually... You watch them race. They technically don't exist because they are NFTs, but I can watch them race against other people's horses and chickens, which 
adds a, you know, an entertainment value to it. These are literally just pictures of whales. These are not whales like racing against each other. They're just pictures of whales. Oh, I know it was a shark and I know he'd want to cut in this, but what if this kid like made it buy your whale and you can like, you can um, race Michael Phelps. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the way and the Michael Phelps would be under there, like the the, the the cartoon of Michael Phelps or whatever, and he'd be racing as well. That'd actually be pretty funny. And I'm not going to put it past this kid because obviously he's as smarter than anyone here. <laughs> I listen. I would be all in if these were whales racing anything, racing each yes. other, racing yes. Michael Phelps. Like the one, yeah. it should be sharks. We should have sharks racing each other and eating things. Why doesn't this go. kid well, do that? Is there a huge jump from able to do this just to the images? Could this kid actually do that? I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to assume yes, that it's it's relatively speaking, it's easy to make the images of say whales or anything you want to sell as an NFT, but that it's much harder to make the actual games like the chickens and the horses that we have, where you have to have a 3D component that they race against each other in an actual way to determine who wins those races. I'm assuming that's a big jump and he might need his younger brother to actually help him figure that one out. Well, I'm also assuming, hello, boom goes the dynamite. I lost the copyright to that baby. Um, the chicken and horse people might have this market cornered, and I'd love to know whether it's copyright or whatever, that they have that market cornered. And if someone else, like this kid, said, I'm not going to race whales, they can come in and say, ah, no, you're not. No, I don't think so. I highly okay. doubt it. All right. I mean, it's just because okay. what are they copywriting? The concept of racing? I, I guess the concept of racing. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you're I, right. I, I mean, think, I just yeah. that's the first thing that popped in my mind. Is like, could this kid do that? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, he could. If he if he knew how, he could absolutely have whales racing well, each other or whatever he wanted. <laughs> he might not know how not not know how now, Tyler. But by Friday, that kid's gonna know yeah, how because obviously he's very intelligent. Well, by the time he's 13, he's gonna be a billionaire <laughs> because he's made three hundred fifty thousand dollars selling pictures of whales. I uh, hold on. If if I've learned anything, first of all, is that the parents are definitely taking that money. Like they, that's, they, true. Yeah. that's true. That's oh, true. Okay. His yeah. parents are billionaires. Oh. That's true. Yeah. That's uh, Macaulay Culkin. Wait, he wait. Ain't. They might. Okay. This all depends on how up to date his parents are. Because he said in the story, he doesn't have a traditional bank account. He has left all the money he has made in his digital wallet, which is where you store cryptocurrency. So it's all still in cryptocurrency for him. Wow. So that so maybe his parents are Jared. What is playing? What which I is think it was called the, the press the box? Stinger. The Stinger got played instead of. Is Tyler a know it all? What's happening? What's going on? Are we going to break? The, yes. Hello. Yes. Hello? So we're going to break. What's happening is uh, apparently I mislabeled something, and uh, yeah, mistakes were made on a Monday. It'll be sorted by next Friday. <laughs> I'll tell you what. And they you didn't do it, obviously, seconds. or I wouldn't be here. Uh, if my kid ever made up a whale shot, Greenspan would have every dime of that stuff. <laughs> I mean, we'd be we'd be very wealthy at this point. My kid would have nothing. Not if your kid was hiding it in a digital cryptocurrency wallet. They might have well, it, Ed. They just haven't told you about it. I hope if he's smart enough to do the whale, he would have been smart enough to be this kid and like, hide the money from the mother. <laughs> yeah, the parents had no idea he made this much money until this story came out. Yeah.